Welcome back to Gaelic Games Fan TV. Delighted to be joined here by the Gaelic Statsman, Matthew Hurley, to run through all the weekend's big talking points from the weekend's GA action. We obviously had two uh, blockbuster All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship semi-finals, one in which Galway uh, obviously got beat in the end by Limerick. Big win for Limerick, obviously, yesterday. And, of course, today, Kilkenny getting the victory versus Clare. We'll also be looking at the All-Ireland Minor final. Uh, Derry, obviously, winning their second All-Ireland Minor Football Championship in four years. And we'll be discussing the uh, All-Ireland Camogie Championship quarterfinals as well. Big wins for both Tipperary and Cork. So we'll be running through both of those two games, as well as uh, obviously some of the protests that were happening today in Crow Park and everything else. So we'll be discussing a bit of everything on today's show. So I suppose, first of all, Matthew, how's things with yourself? Obviously, the championship very much coming to the closing stages, down to two now in the All-Ireland Hurling Championship. We know who the final is in both Limerick and Kilkenny. And... Uh, I suppose, yeah, in the end, it's, you know, I think everyone probably anticipated the two best teams to make the final. And in the end, that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. So, and thanks for having me on your show again, Aaron. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird situation. Like I was saying, I had Seamus on during the week and we were talking about there were so many blockbuster games already on the season. Like you, you didn't know what game to, to watch or anything like that when the league season was on and early stages of the championship, even last week at the quarterfinals of the football. And there was a load of other um, action getting on. I think there was the preliminary quarterfinals and the hurling quarterfinals in the same weekend. But no, it's kind of coming to an end now. You have the semifinals this weekend, the semifinals of the football next weekend, then the final of the hurling, the final of the football, and other than the LGFA and the Camogie, it's all over. And the underage is now all finished as well with the minor finishing today. I think it was a bit rushed, but that's probably a discussion for another day in general. But yeah, it was, um, it was an entertaining two days of hurling. Like Galway really put it up to Limerick in the first half yesterday, but uh, Clare and Kilkenny was a blockbuster game, definitely, and intent throughout. But is the best two teams of the final? You would argue Clare were probably better than Kilkenny in the whole scheme of things this season. But in general, yeah, Limerick probably deserved their place. But we'll get into it, I'm sure, in this, um, in this show here. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I suppose we'll start with Saturday's game. So it's Limerick 224, Galway 1-18. So Limerick in the end, getting the job done versus Galway. Obviously, in the first half... You know, things weren't going to plan for the treaty. Galway were looking very, very good. Connor Whelan was doing the business. Galway leading by six to seven points at one stage. Um, but really, the turning point coming after the 25th minute, Nicky Quaid goes down for a bit of an injury, a bit of a talking with Paul Canerk. Tactics change, and Limerick just took over from there. Um, and then going into the second half, Limerick just absolutely dominated. And, you know, a demolition in the end from Limerick, a lot more comfortable than maybe what we had anticipated. And... This Limerick steam train is definitely not going away. Uh, four in a row, definitely still on, in my opinion, from a Limerick perspective. And to be honest with you, it could have been six in a row if, um, if that decision went their way with Darrell Donovan in 2019 against Kilkenny. Like, yeah, they're an absolutely brilliant team, Aaron, and um, you can't argue the brilliance that they have, the humility that this Limerick team has. It's absolutely incredible. And so to be behold, Aaron Galan, I think 80% shot accuracy in these last two games combined, which is absolutely incredible. And he is definitely up for player of the year this season. And to do it without Sean Finn and Declan Hannan, them two colossal figures in the, in the back line for Limerick, it's incredible, really. But you mentioned um, the the famous eye contact um, lens, um, that thing with uh, Nicky Quaid there with Paul Canorke. Yeah, it's, um, 
it's a new thing kind of creeping into their GA. I think um, Amy Lee from the Cabot, we got to the Cabot in a minute, but Amy Lee from Cork had uh, a similar problem as well. And uh, uh, coincidentally, Nicky Quaid had a problem a few weeks ago in the Munster Championship as well. Maybe it's um, it's just a tactic to kill off time and maybe the referees need to stamp out this in all four codes in general. But yeah, fair play to Limerick for getting off the line. Galway really put it up in the first half. And when Carl Mannion struck that goal and Galway were, I think, were six points up at that point, one twelve to one six. I was thinking, here we go, Galway are really putting it up to him. But I think the reason Galway kind of lost this game, and it wasn't because of the eye contact lanes, I only found out that at the end of the game, to be honest with you, but I think what what um, Brendan Coleman's mentioned in commentary was very, very interesting. He, um, he said that Henry Shefflin told his Galway's players to retreat at the end of the half to save energy for the second half. What yeah. happened then? Limerick reeled off the last few scores. They went in a point down. And then they were thinking, okay, Galway here after taking now, we can blitz them in the early stages of the second half. And another changing point, the goal for Margalan. And I, you would think after the Killian Buckley goal a few weeks ago, Galway would learn, do not clear it out in, into the centre, catch it, clear it. Don't hit it out first time. And, it, and coincidentally, I don't want to put pressure on Amar, but it was the same guy, Park Mannion. He kicks it in front of Killian Buckley a few weeks ago, and this time he pokes it straight in front of Aaron Galan back on the net. And ultimately, that was the game over after that. And it kind of died a day to the game in general after that moment, and Limerick kicked on towards the end of it. But Limerick, they're great champions. They haven't played well this season, but they are still in an order of final. It's still favourites to retain the game McCarthy. They are an unbelievable team. You can't make any questions about that. But there were a few changing points which swung, the, swung it in their favour and lost Galway the game um, ultimately. Yeah, like, what do you think changed for Limerick? Because, like, in the first, like, 10, 15, 20 minutes, like, they were so flat. They were struggling to get on the ball. I know, obviously, they got that goal from, from Aaron Glam, but I think that kind of came against the run of play, really. Um, and if anything, like, 112 to 16 probably flattered Limerick. Do you know that way? Like, it could have been it could have been 9 or 10 points uh, at that stage. And shooting-wise, they weren't really at it. Like, Jeremy Burns was missing a few chances. Um, you know, they couldn't really get Gerard Hegarty into the game. Keen Lynch was was missing a few opportunities as well. Um, and it just wasn't the, the Limerick that we're used to seeing. But I suppose the most impressive thing about this Limerick side is how they can just shift between gears. Like they can go from a side who are struggling, not looking at the races, and then with the flick of a switch, they're just completely on it. Um, like what, what do you think changed? Like was it that moment, Nicky Quaid going down, obviously changing tactics, I suppose as you said there, like Galway retreating and leaving one up top. Um, but what, what what do you think ultimately changed for Limerick? Because from the end of the first half and the second half, they were a completely different animal to what they were in the opening 20, 25 minutes. It's funny, actually. I was sitting next to um, um, one of my family members just watching the game in, in general, and um, that person was actually saying, if Limerick goes score down, not just a point or anything, a score down at halftime, they could go on and win the game. This was at 112 to 16, and this was when Limerick were in trouble. But we were thinking if Limerick reeled off the last three points of the half, they can then go on and win the game still. But the point was they reeled off the last, what was it, six points in Galway, got one point, and that was the changing of the game. I'm not sure what, I, I, in general, hindsight's a beautiful thing, Aaron, but I could see why, at the time, why Galway did it. You know, to conserve energy in the second half, they were going to get an onslaught. It was absolutely vital that they saved energy towards the end of that half. But did they save it a bit too early? Did they push back a bit too early in the first half? Could they have pushed back maybe 33rd minutes, 34th minutes, maybe leading down the stretch at halftime? In the end, they pushed back, I think it was the 28th, 29th minutes. 
and that's what cost Galway the game ultimately. You could argue all he wants about the Nicky Quaid uh, contacts and stuff, but sometimes Galway have to look themselves in the mirror and think that was kind of a bad decision on our part. Maybe we should have pushed back later on in the half rather than conserving our energy maybe earlier on in the half. Limerick then read off the last few points, and you know how quickly Limerick can read off points. Like you straight away, look at the, the, the puck outs, I'd say, from the 25th minute to the end of the game from Galway were really, really questionable as well. Like Ian Murphy kept pucking it long, he kept pucking it long, and Limerick kept winning it. And you know, like Galway, like even in the second half in general, they poked eight, um, they, they won eight of their puck outs, Galway, in the second half. Only two of them went long. That just tells you all you need to know. Galway did not did, did not um, handle midfield. You know, Willow Donahue was doing so well at centre-back. Darrell Donovan was sweeping around the midfield. Garrod Hagerty started getting into the game in the second half. Keane Lynch started getting into the game. And once they get into the game, you're in trouble. And Galway were in deep, deep trouble at the start of the second half and later on in the first half. And ultimately, that was the end of the game. I think Joe Canning actually mentioned on RT that Galway didn't really put in the effort. I'm actually not sure. I just think it was a combination of Limerick being just brilliant at closing out a game or revolving, resolving a situation. Or maybe just the reason Galway just weren't smart enough, especially in that first half, especially on puck outs. Galway just didn't have the street smarts as Limerick usually do. And that's the reason why they lost the game in general. And you have to you have to admire Limerick in in general, like even John Coyley in the post-match interview, I think he highlighted this on Twitter after the game as well. John Coyley said that even when things were going wrong, we just left it out to the players. We just left it solved it out themselves. That's what great champions do. They do look loads of teams have this mindset of thinking we we have to tell these players what to do, where to where to position ourselves, what attitude to have, etc. 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 What Limerick do, they just leave it out to the players. Garrett Hagerty can defend himself. Keane Lynch, all them players, they do it themselves. And that's why they are great champions. Because it's common sense really are. And they're an unbelievable team. They're an unbelievable, you know, they're a bar to, for anybody to set throughout the country. And I think they're just a brilliant team. Are they the best team in history? That's going to be a question to be answered in the next few seasons. We had this discussion over the last few years. And I think I've said this on this very channel can they go and emulate the, the next stage now is to emulate that Kilkenny team in 05 to 09, the four in a row? Can they do it this week or the next game in the All Ireland Hurling final? It remains to be seen. But I'd be thinking even further can they emulate the Dublin footballers and win six in a row? I think, look, the wagons have the wagon wheels nearly have come off Limerick each and every time this season. But I'd argue they haven't played well this season but they're still in an order final. They still won a Munster Championship. How many games this year have they performed so, so poorly? Like the Tipperary game, for example, in the Munster round robin, they they were well off colour for, I'd say, 60 minutes of that game. And they even went down to 40 men when Barry Nash got sent off. But they still got a draw. And Tip played out their skin that day. And you're thinking, how has this happened? This slimmer team, they're, they're just relentless. They really are. And I think it's a possibility they could go for six in a row. Because you look at the teams there, Clare crumple under the pressure. Galway aren't smart enough. Kilkenny, I think, are the next best team to them. And Kilkenny will be revving in the all the hurling final to stop this um, four-in-a-row charge. But Limerick, they're a relentless team. Maybe Galway did some things wrong, but you have to admire the great team that is Limerick. John Coyley, Paul Connor, the players, they're absolutely incredible. And they're actually a bar for the rest of the country that has been set. Absolutely, yeah. No, and, and I do agree as well. Like I think... 
you know, you could argue even if Limerick do win four in a row, if they do beat Kilkenny, which look will be a tough game. I think, I think for you know, first of all, they have to they have to get through Kilkenny really before we can you know have this conversation in more detail. But look, I think I think there's more than a case for them for for already maybe Eclipse in Dublin just with the fact that you know the the the, the hurling championship. There's probably more teams, there's more intense games to come through Munster as well, um, and and to do it in the way that they've done it, but. As you said there, like at, at times this year, they probably haven't looked at their best, but in that second half, they just clicked into gear. And it kind of reminded me in some ways of when they beat Tipperary a couple of years ago in the Munster final. Um, now, they were trailing a good bit before half time, but coming out into the second half, they just played absolute brilliant hurling. Um, you know, like, in, like it was just absolutely top class stuff. And Aaron Galan, like 2 6 in the game, I've seen obviously your post. Uh, on on your Instagram saying I think he scored three four from play in the last two matches um like that's extraordinary stuff and you know like the form he's in like he's 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 definitely on course to win hurler of the year I think he has to be surely has to be and he was on course to win hurler of the year last season like I, I even argued even before the awards were given out Argyllan hurler of the year without a shadow of a doubt I know Dermot Burns won in the end and very deservedly so but. This guy has been proving it game on game, year on year for Limerick in the last two seasons, maybe even three. This guy's a relentless player. And you could say all you want about attitude and desire and all that and will to win, which Limerick do have. But you need that diamond in your team as well. And they have that in Argyllan. He's just an incredible hurler. His strength is unbelievable. His goal scored three goals in the last two games. And at crucial times as well against Clare, they were under the caution that game. And he has the whereabouts to turn around Key Nolan in that game and struggle into the back of the net. That goal against Galway, actually, the first goal was even more important. I'd argue to the second goal because it kept Limerick afloat in the first half when they were struggling. But then the second half, like they, he missed a chance when it hit the bar. And usually other players would just um, put their head in their hands and, you know, you know, complain about a missed opportunity. But he was aware to the situation. I know it was bad at the part of Park Manion to poke it back to him. But at the same time, you have to be aware in, in them situations and, and know where whereabouts are. And he definitely did. Struck it into the back of the net. Brilliant, brilliant goal from him. And he's shooting accuracy in the last few games. I think it was 80% in the last two. That's incredible. You know, he's an incredible, incredible hurler. And he's definitely on course for hurler of the year. I think Owen Cole, he's definitely up there as well. If Kilkenny win the other, he'll definitely be up there in the conversation. But this guy is an absolute, Argalan is an absolutely incredible hurler. And he proved it last year as well. I think he scored a load of points. He was the top scorer from play last season, maybe even the top scorer overall last season. And he still didn't, he didn't even get a nomination for player of the year, which to be honest, and I said this on my Instagram as well, I think that was a robbery in my opinion. Like, he's an incredible bowler. He was very good last season. He's probably got better as the season's gone this season. He was probably struggling at the start of the year. I think he had seven misses against Cork and wasn't on colour. But Limerick still won that game. But then the next game against Clare, he proves all he's worth. And the next game after that against Galway, he's just a clutch forward that you need in the team. He's an incredible hurler and definitely deserves hurler of the year if Limerick wants to win the all this season. He's just... Uh, he's just brilliant to watch, really. Like, his goal-scoring taking, his shot-taking, his strength, his leadership. He has it all. He really has it all. And he's an incredible hurler, as I as I said previously. And I would t- definitely think he deserves third of the year. That's if Limerick win the All-Ireland, of course. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And ultimately, for Galway, like, I suppose, as you said there, like, you know, yeah, like, I don't think there was meant that there'd be many teams in the country that'd be able to, to stop what Limerick were doing in that second half and the way that they were playing. And, and um, the intensity that they brought, but at the same time, from a Galway perspective, like just four points 
in the second half. Like they didn't change, change it up. Um, they just kept going with the, the, that same them same puckouts over and over again. They just kept hitting it long. Um, and there was no change. Like the bench didn't make much of an impact. And even look at looking at Henry Shefflin on the sideline, like he just looked lost and he was shaking his head at different times. Like it did look like as good as Limerick were, it did at the same time look like Galway gave up. Um and like I think from a Galway perspective, like it is, you would be quite disappointed coming out. Look, there's no shame in losing to Limerick. And, and as we were saying, Limerick were, were so, so good in that second half. And I don't think there's a team in the country that would have been able to stop them. But at the same time, for Galway to, to be six points up and then lose by nine points, like it is, you know, like that's a 15-point swing from the 25th minute till the end of the game. And like for Galway hurling, like that's that's not good enough really, is it? It really isn't, no. And I, I definitely point to the end of the first half as their undoing, really. I don't know why they push back, really. I know Henry Shefflin's done well in the Galway in, in the Galway gig this year. And in fairness, Joe Canning said after the game, I'll keep him as manager. But like, I don't know what went through their minds at the end of that uh, first half. Why did they push back? Like, he, like, they were in control of the game. They were doing all the right things. They were pushing up. And you would think maybe leave it to what the 33rd, 34th, 35th minutes around that time period, but they left it even even earlier than that. And you know, that's unforgivable against the Limerick team. And especially, I don't get this really. Like, they kind of wanted to conserve energy in the 28, 29, 30th minutes until the end of the first half. But at the start of the second half, the energy seemed to be sapped out of them, Galway. So, what was what was that about? You know, and I, I don't know what it was really. It was It was just. You know, poor management decisions, really, and the substitutes as well. Like I look at them, the substitutes actually—it's it's very interesting reading. Galway made the subs in the 15th minute of the second half, 18th minute of the second half, 27th minute, 32nd minute of the second half, and you think, okay, they're pretty late, and uh, God, the Galway should have brought on more subs. But I point towards Limerick bench, who Limerick had more energy in the last few minutes. They made their subs in the 20th minute of the second half, but then all the other four subs passed um, the 65th minute overall. Hmm. Like Limber just had more energy, they had more S and C. They just said more about them in the last few minutes. And God, we can point towards the Nicky Quaid and you know the the eye contact thing, which which was weird in its own way. But they have to look at themselves as well. The errors they were making. I actually for the Aaron Gallant second goal. I don't know what went through Howard Par- Mannion's mind just to put it back to him. I really don't. Like God, we got away with it, hitting the post. And you think, oh, Limerick, you had the chance to finish it once and for all. But then Galway just straight back to them. And it's just like, why Why would you do that? You know, it's it's just energy sapping in its own its own right. And um, yeah, the decision at the end of the first half ultimately cost them at the end. And yeah, they only scored, I think it was, um, they had one thirteen in the first half and they only scored five points in the second half in a game of hurling. That's not good enough. It really isn't good enough in an all-earned semi-final. And you would have thought when they were when they made more subs than Nimerick at early stages in the game, when they saved their energy at the end of the first half, you would have thought they had more energy in the second half and to score more points than they did. But in the end, Limerick had more energy. And you have to question that with Galway. What went wrong in terms of that? I know it's Limerick. You have to credit Limerick in general, but it was very, very poor from Galway. When you look at the stats, when you look at um, anything in hindsight, it was very, very poor from Galway in the second half. It was poorly managed. It was poorly, um, you know, uh, laid out. And yeah, they're all in the championship because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think, yeah, like I think, I think from a Galway perspective, like I just don't think they have enough in their forwards as well. Like outside, 
Connor Whelan, um, to be honest, which I just don't think there's really enough there. And I suppose as you said with Henry Shefflin, like has he has he made progress with Galway this year, in your opinion? I mean, like I, I was speaking to, to Paul Flaherty of what's the score during the week, and I asked him the question, like if even if Galway lose this game, is it still a successful season? And I suppose the the, the answer really was it depends on the manner of the defeat. Um, and the manner of the defeat was not was not so good. And look, ultimately for a county like Galway, like they should be they should be aspiring for more. Like with the underage success that they've had, with the minor success that they've had in the last couple of seasons. I know a lot of those players haven't made the breakthrough just yet. Um, but like look, they've still plenty of all earning winners that were there back in the twenty seventeen team. So like for Henry Shefflin, has he made progress for, for Galway this year? And ultimately, does he stick around next season? I'm going to take it back to Seamus Brady's point about him. It's, it's actually a very funny clip on my podcast, actually, about Henry Shefflin being in the Galway job. It's almost like, and he it's out of his uh, words now, totally. He said it's almost like Kilkenny, or uh, Henry Shefflin gives the book about Galway hurling to Kilkenny. And that's what it is in a nutshell. I know Derek Ling's done a good job, but ultimately, you would imagine Henry Shefflin would go to Kilkenny in the next few years. If he was to be a success in Galway, he would have won a Leinster maybe by now or maybe next season. And I think Galway's season kind of swung once Park Manion kicked the ball to Killian Buckley and it ended up at the back of the net. That was a kick in the guts for them to lose that game. If they would have won that game, they would have been in the order of the final, maybe. Like you would argue that Galway could have beaten Clare in the semi final despite the form and all that. But they probably didn't have a chance against Limerick in this game. So it kind of swung at that. But I would argue if Henry Sheffield is going to be a success with Galway, he has to win a Leinster title or at least get to an all of vinyl. If he doesn't, it's been an utter failure. I'm sorry, it, it has been because he's ultimately going to go to Kilkenny in the next few years. He's going to know about the likes of Tom Mollahan, the likes of Evan Nolan, that's Seamus rightly said, the likes of Brian Kilcannon, maybe even Ronan Nolan coming through the ranks as well. Like, what's the point of Henry coming in? If he's not going to win the Leinster title or an all or it get to an all or the final at least, you know, so it, it does seem kind of pointless getting Henry in. And will he get another season? Well, I think he's on a three year term. Is he on a three year term, Aaron? I think he is, yeah. So, like, you, you give him one more year. And if he doesn't win a Leinster next year, I think you have to let him go before he learns even more about the Galway team going back to Kilkenny. That's just my honest opinion. I think Shame's kind of opened my eyes on this on my own podcast as well about this. So, mm. yeah, I think Henry, his time might be up if he doesn't win a Leinster next season. Like, it's an utter failure if he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I think Agent Henry, I think, is what the, the Kilkenny fans are are calling him at the moment. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree as well. Like, I think, look, like, obviously, you know, where Galway were at sort of pre-Henry Shefflin under Shane O'Neill and, sort of the end of the, the Michal O'Donoghue era where they weren't even, you know, getting to the semi-finals or the quarter-finals and being knocked out in the Leinster Championship and everything else. Um, but I do think, at the same time, look, Galway have got a lot of good players. I think they need a few more forwards. They need, they just need a bit more in and around there. And I don't know if you if you develop more younger players, you start a Tom Monaghan more and, and maybe you sort of phase out some more of those 2017 players. Um, but they just look like they're missing one or two top-class forwards, uh, in my opinion. I think if they can get them into the team for next season, I think they, you know, they'll be a serious, serious threat once again. Um, like they're, they're definitely not a million miles away. You would say that about Galway, but I think at the same time, you know, they, they do need to pick up silverware. Um, and they came very, very close to getting over the line against Kilkenny this season. And 
even going into the league next year, look, winning the league, at, you know, I know probably doesn't matter much for most counties, but for Henry Shefflin and for Galway, just to get a trophy under the board, um, I think I think would be very very important from a from a Galway perspective. Uh, I suppose we'll move on to the other semi final then. Kilkenny one twenty five, Clare one twenty two. Kilkenny obviously dominant in the first half, leading uh, quite comfortably at halftime by uh, by six points. And uh, Clare came out in the second half, absolutely rallied Kilkenny, got really bang into the game. Uh, TJ uh, um, Shane O'Donnell absolutely fantastic from a clear perspective he obviously gets the goal and the likes of Mark Rogers Tony Kelly uh, very very impressive but uh, Kilkenny done what Kilkenny do the goal from Owen Cody set up brilliantly by TJ Reid um, and that's the thing about Kilkenny is that even when Clare looked as good as they were and even when Clare had their good moments in the game Kilkenny just still like Kilkenny just turned it up another level after that and yeah, Kilkenny doing what Kilkenny do, and they're in the final. They are exactly, yeah, and um, yeah, deservedly so. I, I will say, like, there could have been a few referees. I think the referee, I will say this because Clare fans were very unhappy with the referee today. I do agree, the referee was poor. I think a few decisions were kind of questionable, but ultimately, and this is the disappointing part for Clare fans, I don't think he's the reason they lost the game today. I think the yeah. reason they lost the game is because look at the stats, 76% shot accuracy for Kilkenny today. And that, from a Kilkenny point of view, is superb. Superb. Own quality, TJ Reid. And what about TJ Reid as well? Top scorer of the Hurling Championship in history. Congratulations to him. Brilliant achievement. And he's a legendary hurler. And he probably should get a statue outside uh, Nolan Park now, TJ Reid. What do you think about that? He's an incredible, incredible um, athlete and fairness for Kilkenny Hurling. But Own Cody in general today won five from play as well. Deserve man the match performance. That unbelievable performance from him. And um, another thing from Clare, why he lost the game. And I think it was the key decisions in key moments. And I point to maybe three key decision, decisions from the Clare side, not the referee, the Clare side in general. The first thing was the puck out leading up to the own Cody goal. What was Aver Quilligan doing? Pucky it straight out to Rory Hayes. It was poor, poor management in general because Clare, I think, were ahead at that point by a point. And what you you think you're in a tight situation, puck the ball long. Don't puck it short when you're in this uh, tight pressure cooker situation. But in, in fairness on the Kilkenny side of things, it was well worked. TJ Reid grabbed the ball, you know, sold with it, gave the right pass to him, Cody back of the net. Like any other player would actually shoot that situation, but not TJ Reid. Incredible awareness from his part. But another thing for Clare as well, when Shane O'Donnell got that goal, well taken, by the way. Incredible rocket into the back of the net and probably one of the goals of the season, in my opinion. But after that goal, David McInerney makes a foul on I think it was on or I think it was um, Walter Walsh running through on goal. What like he's near the end line, he's going nowhere. And I don't know why he clear where he constantly fouling. And then the second um, phase of play then Dermot Ryan fouls Richie Hogan when he's going nowhere either. And mm. you think, what are they actually doing doing this? And ultimately that's two points behind them. And Clare are ultimately chasing shadows after that. So ultimately, I think those were the three reasons why Clare lost the game and not particularly the referee. But before I cross over to you, Aaron, brilliant save by Owen Murphy at the end. And he cements himself as one of the best keepers in the country. That save for Peter Duggan at the end. Oh, wow. Like, you talk about clutch moments. You talk about clutch moments from forwards in general, defenders tackling back. That's a clutch moment from a goalkeeper. It was well struck by Peter Duggan. He did everything right there in that situation. But Owen Murphy, I thought it originally hit the bar, looking at it in a lifetime. 
but oh, what a save. A tip onto the Bard. Ultimately, that's what got Kenny over the line and into the order of the final. And well-deserved. And Derek Lean, I think he's done a very, very good job at Kilkenny this season. He's won an Leinster title, got to a league final, now an All-Ireland final. I don't think he can ask for much more. He's done it without the likes of Billy Drennan in the team as well. And without the likes of TJ Reid in the league. So he has to be credited for that and well done, Derek Ling. But also bit for Clare, another disappointing uh, defeat. Not as bad as last year, but last year was bad. This year, they just couldn't get over the line because of key moments in the game. But Clare have to learn from this if they want to succeed forward until next year. And it's kind of a kick in the teeth for Clare because they were the best team all year and ultimately they don't get to an hour the fight. It's disappointing for them, but ultimately... In general, I think because of the key decisions and key moments, I think Clare kind of lost the game themselves. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I do agree. Like, I think ultimately, like, with calm lines, like, I think the decision for, for the goal, uh, for the first Clare goal, which was obviously disallowed, like, I think that was a bad decision uh, by the referee. At the same time, you can understand that from his point of view. Like, obviously, Hugh Lawler catches the ball originally, so... You know, obviously, we want these referees to be quick with decisions and we don't want them to wait around. It was just a split second then where Hugh Lawler drops the ball and the referee had already blown his whistle. So he, he can't really go back then after that. So it was just an unfortunate one from a, from a clear perspective. And I do think, like, like he made bad calls, but I thought he made bad calls both ways, to be honest with you. Um, it did seem more so probably against Clare. Um, but at the same time, I think he did make bad calls uh, both ways in my opinion um but as you were saying there like i think claire ultimately you know like shooting wise in the first half they let themselves down um i think they were they were too focused on stopping kilkenny in the first half and then in the second half when they left the shackles off and they went to kilkenny like they showed what they're capable of um and when you had shane o'donnell in the form that he's in obviously you get that goal um, you know, Tony Kelly doing what Tony Kelly does, you know, like you could see the brilliance of Clare, but Kilkenny, like fair play, like and some of the defending of Clare was immense as well. Like Connor Fogarty getting blocks in, uh, Adrian Mullen getting blocks in, TJ Reid as well. Like defensively, Clare, like they just look so up for it, and their shooting as well is just impeccable. Like I don't know how they've become, like how how they can be so good all the time consistently. It's um, it's remarkable, really. Really is. I think you meant Kenny there rather than Claire Aaron, but um just wanted to yeah. point that out. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um it was it was very good for Kilkenny. They had only two wides in the first half, three in the second half, and ultimately that's why they won the game. And that presence of mind from TJ Reid, like a few clear players were kind of taking snapshots at, at the same time. Well, I will say on a positive note for Claire, Mark Rogers, I think he had an immense performance today, and especially after missing the first three, you're thinking. Oh, I, I really feel sorry for him. You're going, you're going to think he's going to have a bad day now today. But he stepped up, in fairness to him. He didn't miss a free after that, I don't think, after that moment. And he hit 10 points in, gen, in general. I think it was 10 out of 12 shots overall from him, which is an incredible performance. That This is a guy only in college. So it's an incredible performance from Mark Rogers in, in general. But I think Kilkenny had them two times up front. And that was the ultimate the difference in TJ Reid. He might be, I think he was, he's 35, 30, he's even, might, might be even 36 by now, but he's still an absolutely incredible, incredible hurler. Like the prince of the mind, you might think a lot of hurlers would be selfish enough to take that shot on for the Kilkenny goal, for Own Cody's goal. But he had the prince of the mind, pass it into the right man, Own Cody's in the right position. And the, may I add, the clear guy nearly got the block on it. He nearly did it. But Cody, he... He buried it, buried it like a pro. What a, 
what a, um, a goal that was. But um, in fairness to Clare, I think Dave Fitzgerald in the midfield was very good. I think he, he was poor enough in the semi-final last season, but he definitely threw, showed his uh, true self now. Today, Tony Kelly again, kept quiet by Mikey Butler, and Mikey Butler kind of has that psychological edge over Tony Kelly, and he seemed kind of frustrated today. Shane O'Donnell, brilliant performance again by him, 1-1, um, brilliant showing. And Kilkenny, their defensive, defensive play, I think Tommy Walsh was very good at cornerback for Kilkenny. I don't know how many interceptions he had today or turnovers. I think it was around... I think it was seven or eight turnovers today. It was incredible from him, a young lad like him. And yeah, Kilkenny, brilliant performance in general all over the field. You look at Adrian Mullen and Connor Fogarty, as you mentioned, in midfield. Incredible showing by him. And of course, Owen Murphy in goal making that outstanding save. And is that one of the best saves we've seen in the history of hurling? Like, I think there's been a few by Owen Murphy himself. But like, you have to, we'd have to make a ranking at this point, Aaron. Like, how many saves by Owen Murphy in a video or something like that? Because it's ultimately endless. Like the, I think he made a save against Cork a few seasons ago in the semi-final where he tipped a shot out of the post. I think it was the hand or somebody shot out of the post. That was an under excellent save. But this save, I think, today topped it. What a save it was. And it ultimately saved Kilkenny a place in the honour of the final. But Clare contributed to a brilliant contest in general. But I think Kilkenny just made the right decisions at the right times. They had brilliant shot accuracy and they had brilliant tenacity. I think that's what won them the game today. Yeah, no, it was immense, absolutely immense save from Owen Murphy. Like, um, to have the awareness, like to to make that save, to to uh, get the you know the, the stick to the ball and and turn it onto the post, absolutely remarkable stuff. And yeah, probably one of the greatest saves we, we we've ever seen potentially in the in the, in the history of the sport. Like, absolutely remarkable, remarkable stuff there. Uh, Dublin is great. Has a good question here. He says, "Is TJ the best hurler of all time?" TJ Reid. Um, it's an interesting one. Like I was watching the coverage on the BBC, and they were discussing that at halftime. Um, very good coverage actually on on BBC this weekend. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Actually, in fairness, um, and yeah, like they were discussing, like is is TJ Reid the the greatest hurler of all time? Obviously, he gets that. Um, you know, he scored what was it twelve points today, and obviously overtakes Patrick Horgan as the um all time top score in the history of the All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. Look. We'll see what happens next year. Patrick Horgan might catch him up again, and we'll see what happens. But um, from a TJ Reid perspective, like he's such an immense hurler, like he is the complete package. Like he, as we've seen at times in this game, like he was defending in the round, he was nearly playing at centre back, he was dispossessing Rory Hayes, setting up on Cody, um, you know, scoring remarkable points, so reliable on freeze, um, which which you know we we've come accustomed to with a player like TJ Reid, um. But is is he the best hurler of all time? Like, there's obviously some greats in there, Christy Ring, um, of course, as we very well know, Henry Shefflin himself. What what do you reckon? Joe Canning's another one up there, I suppose. Um, yeah. Like, geez, it's a very very hard hard question because there's so many, so many of them. Um, if you look at TJ Henry. Like, I'd say Henry was nearly better. I think TJ's scoring record is absolutely incredible. There's no doubt about that. But in terms of overall play, was Henry a better player? In my honest opinion, I think TJ's an unbelievable player, but Henry was just incredible as well. You can't forget the quality in Henry Sheffield had as a player. Obviously, Christy Ring, neither of us would have seen uh, Christy Ring, but um, I don't know, would any of us have seen Christy Ring where you were on back then, Art? But, um, but um, yeah. <laughs> 
Might have been, might have been. But um, yeah, obviously we've never seen Christy Ring. We've never seen uh, Mick Mackey play. Um, Brian Wheelan maybe from Offaly could have been up there. Um, geez, it's a very, it's a very hard him. Um, one to go. It's kind of like in soccer, you're saying that Messi, Ronaldo is unequivocally, unequivocally the best player of all time. And then you'd be putting the conversation Pelle and Maradona. But you're saying, oh, we've never seen Pelle and Maradona. It's kind of difficult when you don't see either of them play. But I get the point where it, the game does evolve as it goes on. And probably, like, in this day and age, TJ will probably be... Like, but in general, Henry will probably succeed in this day and age too. You know, so it's a really, really tough call. Ultimately, Arno, I think Henry is better than TJ at this present moment of time. But if TJ wins in All-Ireland, though, he drags Kilkenny to an All-Ireland against Limerick in two weeks' time, you could come back to me and I might have a different answer then. Like, it, it yeah. does, it, time is amazing in that sense. So, I, I'll open to know, I think I praised TJ Reid throughout the podcast, but I still think Henry is, is just an unbelievable, was an unbelievable player as well. So, it, it's a very difficult one. What do you think? Do you think it's Henry or TJ? I think it's probably still Henry, I think, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it's a tough one. Like, it's a, it's very, very close because, like, Henry Shefflin's obviously won 10 All-Orleans. TJ Reid has won seven. I was just looking there. Christy Ring has won eight. Um, so, like, you could argue, like, you know, like, Henry Shefflin played in a much better Kilkenny team. Um, look, not by much. I mean, his Kilkenny team is really good as well. But, like, the, the, the side that Henry Shefflin played in was, was generational. I mean, you had players like DJ Carey in there as well. It's so many greats, like you know, like Eddie Brennan, um, so so many greats from one to fifteen, like in, in that Kilkenny side, um, you know, like and obviously back then there, there, there was no Limerick side, so not that it was easier for Kilkenny to win all Orleans, but I think Kilkenny were the team, you know, they were the team to be, um, back then, so like you know, you could argue it was easier for Henry Shefflin to win all Orleans back then, but this, but with TJ Reid. Like he's probably played in a much younger Kilkenny side, and he's played in a Kilkenny side that's had a big transition over the last couple of years, especially with Brian Cody obviously retiring and Derek Lynn coming in. And like TJ Reid still produced, you know, he still keeps producing time and time again. Um, so you could argue, like, you know, if TJ Reid gets another All Ireland under his belt and sort of ends this mini drought for Kilkenny of you know without an All Ireland. You could argue then that you know that weight of that achievement, and I think the weight of the achievements do matter. Um, because skill level, like it's you know, it's tit for tat, really, isn't it? Like both couldn't do everything with the ball, and you know, like it's you know, it's like picking one out of a hat, really. Like, like I guess the argument with honors in general, but you have to take into account as well. TJ is encountering an era of Limerick dominance at the same time, so. Mm. It's a very, very difficult one. It really, really is. Yeah, I'd still have to get yeah. yeah, I think if TJ Reid has a man of the match performance against Limerick and ends Limerick's dominance, I think that probably, I think that probably does it. Yeah, well, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I could see that so un- unequivocally in Baroness. That would take up the eight all Ireland's his arm. So, you yeah. know. Like I, I, I would definitely put TJ among the bracket. Well, he's among the bracket anyway, but. Hmm. I'd probably put him above Henry if he wins the All-Ireland. That's a big if, really big if, because we know this Limerick team's an incredible team in general. So it's going to be a very, very tough ask. But 
Yeah, I'd still go Henry. I, I, I've watched Henry. I've watched him as a young lad myself. Jeez, he's, he was an incredible hurler, Aaron. Incredible. You know, he could do anything with the ball. That goal was a clutch moment against Tipperary in 09. I think you remember that as well. An incredible finish that was um, from a tough a tough penalty, a pressure cooker penalty. So, she's oh, very, very tough one. But right now, I'd probably have to go for Henry. But I think we could both say, and we'd be in agreement to this, the greatest of all time does come from the land of Kilkenny, the land of hurling itself. Yeah, yeah, no, I do think so. And look, I mean, you could argue the case that the likes of Aaron Galan, who's still in his early 20s, could could very well be in that conversation, you know, when his, when his career is... Is coming to a close, and you know the likes of Jeremy Burns, Keen Lynch, um, could could all very well be in the conversation, um, already, and you know all those lads are in, in their you know mid twenties or so, so, um, definitely, definitely could all be in the conversation. But ultimately, looking ahead to the final, Limerick and Kilkenny, obviously in uh, in in two weeks' time, Dublin is great at saying here, will you do a watch along for the final? Um, I'm saying to Matthew off air, it depends if I can get a ticket. If I can get a ticket, I obviously won't. Um, but there would be a vlog out, so. Um, suppose that will make up for it and then yeah if we don't get a ticket I'll definitely definitely do a watch along but ultimately what are you thinking for the final going into it I mean it's it's set to be an absolute rip-roaring final like we saw like probably one of the best All-Ireland finals of all time last year between Limerick and Kilkenny it was remarkable stuff just back and forth it was like a basketball match Um, so what are you thinking like kind of going into the final Limerick too strong or could Kilkenny pull it off yeah I think Limerick will be too strong don't want to burst anybody's bubble now, but geez, this Limerick team, they're on the cusp of um, completing maybe four, five, six in a row. They're an incredible side. They really are. Kilkenny are good too, like Owen Cody, Adrian Mullen, TJ Reid. But I would argue, and I made this um, argument to um, Seamus during the week about the Galway game. Galway would have had to be on 100% from every one of their players to beat Limerick. The same goes for Kilkenny. I know they're incredible players. And to be fair, most of the Kilkenny team were at 100% all day in that order of vine last year. They scored 226 and still lost the order of vine, which is incredible in itself. But the thing is, they all have to be at 100% hour, and I just can't see it. I really can't. This Limerick are just a machine of a team. They'll keep going for 70 minutes on end. And you've seen, even when they were under the cost against Galway, they didn't panic. They didn't fret. They kept going right to the end of it. And even when things weren't going their way, they didn't complain. They kept going on as they usually would. So for that reason, yeah, I think Limerick should win the game. But I will say this, it'll be a very, very close game right to the bitter end. But I just think in these close encounters, it seems to be always Limerick coming out on top. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, like, and as you said there, like, I think, I think Limerick are certainly going in as the favourites. But... Like, could you argue, though, because like, when you look at Limerick's shooting accuracy, like I was looking at your own stats there, like 60% shooting accuracy versus Galway. I know they created more chances, like the 43 shots, according to yourself there. But, I mean, Kilkenny, what, 76 shooting percent accuracy? Could you argue, like, Kilkenny, you know, like, the, their, their, their accuracy in Crow Park is so deadly. And, like, that maybe that could maybe be a difference. Like, if Limerick are a little bit sloppy, like they have been at times this year, like Kilkenny will punish them. Like I felt like Galway should have nearly been further ahead of Limerick. I feel like Kilkenny won't. You know, Kilkenny will will punish Limerick if they play like that. So could you argue like that's maybe something to go off? Possibly. You, like Kilkenny's track, I think it was sixty nine percent in the Leinster final itself. So it is good every time they get to Crow Park, and I get your point there. But 
Look, I, I'd be asking the question, will Limerick have more shots than Kilkenny that day? If they do, it could be curtains. You know, so I just think this, I think Limerick could, could um, you know, win the game in general. Kilkenny, they could do it. Don't know how they could do it. Like, oh, Cody's an incredible order. If Adrian Mullins fully fit like he was today, yeah, he can do it as well. TJ Reid and um, Bossy Kewan. Well, my point is, Aaron, Kilkenny would have to be all in 100% to beat Limerick. Mossy Kewan wasn't 100% today. Look, he needs to be at 100%. You know, yeah. and John Donnelly wasn't at 100% today. He needs to be at 100%. It's not just TJ. It's not just Owen Cody. It's not just Adrian Mullen. It's not just Tommy Walsh or Owen Murphy. The whole team have to be on it for them to beat Limerick. And that just tells you, this, Limerick are just an incredible side because they didn't play that, that um, well against Clare in the Munster final. They still went out and won by a pint. They didn't play well against Tipperary, but still, they, arguably, in the last few years, that was their worst ever performance against Tipperary. And they still managed to draw on Simple Stadium out of it. I just feel Limerick, if they perform badly, it's going to be a tight game, but they're always going to come out on top. I know you could point to the Declare game and the Munster Championship round Robin series, but that was when a Limerick team you know, was playing, I think, six weeks in a row at that point, maybe four or five weeks in a row, and they were tired. They, they'll have a week to recuperate over this, and they'll have a week to you know, analyse Kilkenny's strengths and weaknesses. And they'll, you know, they'll, they'll be up for the final. They usually are up for finals, and you see with Limerick over the last few years. Some of their players don't turn up in Munster games or all of the semi finals in the last few years. Case in point, Gareth Hagerty didn't do it last season. He hasn't done it this season. He scored five points overall in the all Ireland series um, this season. But in the all Ireland 40 finals, straight away against Kilkenny, goal. Gareth Hagerty has the capabilities to fire it up when needed. And Declan Hannon, I don't know what's his fitness situation. Is he going to be fit for the final? Sean Finn definitely isn't. But is Hannon going to be fit? If Hannon's fit, that's a key component too. So, yeah. like, if Hannon's fit, I think Limburg could could win this final in general. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kilkenny put it off because they have such amazing horrors. They bring shot accuracy. But I would argue that Kilkenny needs to be at 100% from every one of their players to win the All-Ireland in two weeks' time. Yeah, I think so as well. Like, I think it needs to be... Like, it's mad. Like, as you said there, they scored 226 last year and it was a brilliant performance by Kilkenny last year and it still wasn't enough. So you nearly feel like they just they need to disrupt Limerick. They need to take them off their game as well as obviously producing producing their best, which uh, which makes it so fascinating. Uh, I suppose we'll move on to the, the All-Ireland Camogie Championship then. Obviously, two quarterfinals took place, which uh, we'll get on to in a moment. Uh, but obviously, there was protests taking place uh, in Crow Park during both quarterfinals for Tipperary Antrim and Cork obviously taking on uh, t- uh, Kilkenny as well and as we've very well seen um, uh, both both uh, sets of players obviously protesting um, the Kilkenny players decided not to go down the tunnel the Cork players did and the reason for the protests is is obviously because of everything that's been going on in both the Camogie Championship and the Ladies Football Championship at the moment as well like both like for example the Cork ladies have been scheduled to play a lot of the same time as the the Cork Camogie side, um, you know, like and obviously that would that you know that would never happen if there was dual players in in football and hurling in the men's game. So, um, obviously protesting for equality, we've we've seen it um sort of in the last couple of weeks happening. Um, I suppose what are your thoughts on 
the whole scenario and obviously the protest itself. I have to say, like, I was a little bit disappointed, like, with the Kilkenny players obviously staying on the pitch, core players going down the tunnel, like, you know, like, supposed to be united in a protest and, you know, like, it wasn't in the end, which, yeah, was a little bit disappointing, I think. It was disappointing. It was very, very strange in general because Tipperary and Antrim did it. Uh, when Antrim actually came out with the jersey on and thinking, okay, they're not taking the stand and then Joanne Cantwell announced that they're they're not um, taking these sorts of precautions. But then the Antrim uh, players took off their shorts and revealed United for Equality and I was relieved when that happened and both of them went down the tunnel at the same time yesterday. But today was very, very, um, was very, um, was very, um, you know, disappointing in general from Kilkenny, but I'll read the GPA statement because a lot of people won't be clear on this, and including, I think it was a sports show posted something saying Kilkenny were distressed and things like that, but the GPA actually responded on Twitter saying, and this is a pin tweet from him, it is completely incorrect to suggest Kilkenny Kabogi broke any protests. Players agreed to wear T-shirts and then either return to the dressing room, change into jersey or change on pitch. Commiserations to them and congrats to the Karkamogi team. So, like, I, I don't know what that kind of statement actually employs. Like, Kilkenny did wear the T-shirts, but they just didn't decide to go down the dressing room tunnel. I don't know what went on there. Were they, like, a lot of people actually commented on my post on Twitter saying, clearly not United for equality then. Like, yeah. you, have to, you have to think, like, Kilkenny Komogi players have to have their reasons for this. To, not to go down the tunnel. Like, Alagiri actually mentioned in RT today that Kilkenny were preparing for a quarterfinal. But I'm thinking at the same time, Tipperary, Antrim and Cork are doing the same thing. So why yeah. couldn't they be united and go down the dressing room with them? You know, so it was, I thought, looking at it anyway, and I, I, I better be careful enough them um, saying um, stuff, you know, that's derogatory and stuff like that to Kilkenny Camogie, because they, obviously they could have had their reasons for this. But I just want to say it was disappointing from Kilkenny Camogie, that they didn't go down the same time. Fair play to Cork. They went down, they protested, and fair play to them for that. But Kilkenny, I don't know what was the reason behind it. And I don't know what, like Matthew Toomey, even his phrase expressions, maybe was disappointment, really, for the Kilkenny uh, Camogie team. I don't know what it was in general, but um, me and Seamus were discussing it during the week. And what I will say about this, Aaron, I posted this on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram with the clip and all of that, and some of the replies were very, very disappointing on it. They were saying, I, I shouldn't be posting about this. Um, you should devote 50% of the show to Camogie or LGF, LGFA if you're going to um, you know, talk about these. But like loads of other podcasts don't do it at all. And I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to you know, spread the game as much as possible. And the reason we don't do as much as the mains really is because there's just not enough coverage. And that's another thing that's really arcing me over the last few seasons. There's not enough match reports. Yeah. There's not enough equality or anything like that. And that's why we don't um, have... To, and I'm sure you have the same reasons as that, arm, Because we promote men's. Because um, in the women's sports, there's just no match reports. There's nothing like that. And it's very, very disappointing in the end. And that's why the protests are in there in general. Like Vicky Wall um, explained a story, actually. Um, Seamus explained this story about Vicky Wall story explain, explained in general, saying that... Some players had to get some private um, physiotherapy treatment. You know, they had to pay for them themselves. These are inter-county players, Aaron. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's very, very poor in general. And these are why the protests are, they're going to keep, you know, rising the heat. As Seamus said in my podcast during the week, we have to keep rising the heat. We have to keep promoting on the podcasts and things like that to make them win. 
because if these um, these ladies players stop, then the GA, the Camogie Association, the NGFA have won. And we don't want that. We simply don't want that. And in general, this border thing has been what was in place. I think it was December 2020, Seamus was telling me during the week. We're 2023. This was during COVID that this was announced or was passed through Congress. I mean, it's very, very poor form. And I think it was poor form of Kilkenny today in general, but I will stress this again. Maybe they had their own reasons in this. I'm not sure with the ins and outs. Only Brian Dowdy and the manager would explain it to us and explain, the me- explain it to the media. But in general, I think by the looks of things, it was very, very disappointing. And it looked as if Cork and Kilkenny weren't united in general today. Yeah, yeah. No, it is disappointing, as you said, like, and... And, and look, like I think, I think I agree with what you said there. Like obviously, with the fact that you know you've spoken before, with the fact there's been clashes with the Cork Camogie side and the Cork Ladies Football Team, and obviously you've had some Cork players who haven't been available for some games or, or have had to travel large distances by themselves. Like it's just not completely fair at all. Uh, and as you said there, like I've I've tried my best at times to, to cover the Camogie Championship, to cover the Ladies Football Championship. Um, obviously it's it's tough. Like when you're you know, there is only a certain amount of hours in a day, um, you know, and, and obviously the coverage for the Camogie and the ladies football probably doesn't get the coverage that it deserves, you know, and um, I think that I think that is the most disappointing thing, to be fair. But but yeah, like ultimately, like, do you think the protests will do that? And do you think they will force change? Um, it's it, like it's hard to, to, to really know, like if, if it will happen, um, as you said before, like three years without any you know any any change you know since that merger was brought in and for myself I kind of look at it and think maybe like the players should walk off the pitch you know like five ten minutes into a game you know I know that's it causes a lot of disruption obviously with fans and everything else you know you have to clear a Kilkenny game which is on later and maybe that gets delayed and everything else but maybe for the All Ireland semi-finals and for the final the players should just walk off the pitch walk off protest 10-15 minutes in you know and then and and because then it will, you know, because then then the you know the LGFA and uh, the GA will look at it and think, Jesus, right, well, that's that that is, you know, that that's causing a big problem for us here, do you know, like because as much as the t-shirts and everything else, look, it, it is getting us talking, it's getting me and you talking, and it is making some difference, but is it as much as something like that? I don't know, but what do you think? Like, do you think the the protest will work in the end, or, or what do you reckon? I said before this began that this was a big opportunity for the Camogie players to make their stand at GAHQ this weekend. And to be honest, I think they did the exact same thing as last weekend. And I think if they stop, as you mentioned there, if, if they stop the game five minutes in, in Crow Park, mm. then they would definitely make a stand on national television on RT2 in the, the, in the headquarters of the GA. They would have made a stand in. And what I will say, Aaron, I think was disappointed this weekend. I will say that because of the cover of the coverage it got, and it was a major opportunity missing, in my opinion, like Tipperary and Antrim even yesterday. And even the men's players, like the men's players early on the week, the 68 captains actually got together in a joint statement to say that they're with the LGFA and Camogie players. But I'd be arguing, if they are with the LGFA and Camogie players, why didn't they protest before their games today? I know Claire Kilkenny did an important game, it was a thriller of an encounter. God, they limbered the same yesterday. But why did the men player, men's players stand with the women's players yesterday and today? That's mm-hmm. my question. You know, so it's very, very, um, it's 
it's baffling in, in my opinion. Me again, maybe they have their reasons for this, and the same with the Kilkenny Tomorrow team. I don't know what went through their minds in, in not going down the dresser with the car team. Maybe it was the rivalry they wanted to get um folks on the game. There was a load of these rumors and things like that that they weren't gonna wear scarts, they were gonna wear shorts like the men's players do. They ended up not doing it this weekend, which was disappointing as well. So like there was a lot of you know talk about this weekend and they just didn't do it. I found it disappointing. I don't know what what you taught yourself are, especially with the fact it was on national television. It was in yeah. the headquarters of the J. And I think it was a missed opportunity because the semi-final of the Camogie actually, and I only found this at the end of the Sunday game coverage today, Damien Lawler said this, it's actually on in Nolan Park in Kilkenny, not Crow Park. So the next opportunity for these players to do it, I would imagine, I, as far as I know anyways, the LJFA semi-finals, that's on in two weeks' time, or, t- or three weeks' time. The LJFA semi-finals, the quarterfinals next week are going to be held in venues up and down the country. So that's a long time to yeah. get an opportunity like this again. So I was very disappointed, to be honest with you, that they didn't go further in their protest this weekend in not stopping the game. And you, you've said it on my podcast before in stopping the game and stuff like that. And I always think that's a very good solution. Mm. But maybe there's the inkling at the back of their minds thinking that Cork and Kilkenny especially, it was a big game for them today to get into the other semifinals. One of them would be knocked out of the other series. Um, it was it was, it was was history on the line today because like even Cork and Galway could be drawn in the semifinals because... Um, Cork, Galway and Kilkenny like, um, there has been a team outside that triangle to reach the Camogie final since 2012 in Wexford so th- this was a big game today in Cork and Kilkenny maybe it was at the back of their minds and the back of Antrim and Tipperary's minds as well because this was Antrim's first appearance of the quarterfinals since the 80s or the 70s I think it was so it was a big game for them as well so maybe they did want the disruption I don't know but at the same time, I do think it was disappointing that they didn't make their stand this weekend of all weekends because ultimately, personally, I don't think they'll get an opportunity like this in the next few weeks. And it is disappointing. Absolutely, absolutely. And I suppose in terms of the game itself, the, the Cork-Kilkenny match, obviously you finished Cork 2-14, Kilkenny 2-13. Obviously Kilkenny starting very well with that goal from Aoife Prendergast for Cork. I suppose doing very well the more the game went on. Amy O'Connor finishing with a goal and six points. Katrina Mackey with a goal and two points. And a big win for Cork. And uh, obviously a march on into the semi-finals. Uh, imagine you're happy enough about that. Yeah, happy in general because uh, this is I think this is the 44 time that Cork reached the All-Ireland semi-finals in a row, which is an incredible achievement from them. And um, with fair play to them for getting over the line because over the last few years, this has been a problem for Matthew Toomey's side that they can't get over a Kilkenny or a Galway. They did it today. And in fairness to them, like Aoife Prendergast, as he mentioned, got that goal. And you're thinking, here we go again, Cork are going to lose another game. But I liked the way Cork were going for goals rather than points today in general. Maybe there was the option for going for points and maybe they should, they should have chose that at times. But Amy O'Connor's goal was a rocket of a goal in fairness to her, very good finish. And they ended the first half very well and they got that Katrina Mackey goal and they look comfortable up until Denise Gall gets that goal and you're thinking, wow, Carver could be in trouble here. But um, in general, Denise Gall, I will say this about her, like he, we mentioned about TJ Reid, Angelano and Cody. Denise Gall today, 1-10, 1-2 from play. Incredible performance. And the goal she got as well was incredible. Caught the van, we'll talk about her in a minute as well, for Tipperary Camogie. But these were the two standouts this weekend in the Camogie scene. 
and they were very, very good. But Cork, they just had more players all over the pitch. Saoirse McCarthy, who was on my podcast before, very good performance from midfield, driving runs in general at the heart of that uh, Kilkenny defence. I thought Maeve Callan was very good in the full back line, maybe Coppinger. And it's a tough game now for Cork in the semi-final against Galway. Like, it's the first time, as I mentioned, that... Um, um, a team outside the triangle would reach the final since 2012 which is big for the Camogie scene but a big game for Cork and Galway because they don't want to be the ones that uh, they won't like Kenny they're left out in this so it's it's a very good big game for them the next day out but match to me I'd say would be delighted with this win and the fact that Ashing Thompson and Orla Cronin came back from injury to come on today. They're two huge players for Cork, so very good showing from them. But for Kilkenny, disappointing year. Like they drew two games in the group stage against Wexford and against uh, Tipperary. They only beat Dublin, who aren't probably up to the level of the likes of Cork and Galway. So disappointing year for Brian Dowling's team, but very good win for Cork. And on they marched the game against Galway. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, definitely so, definitely so. And I suppose the other game, Tipperary 3-23, Antrim, six points. Uh, very comfortable result in the end for Tipperary. Emer Heffernan with 1-3. Kat Devan with 2-6 uh, in there as well. Uh, very comfortable in the end for, for Tipperary, as you said. Like Great to see Antrim in a quarterfinal, as you said. First time since the 80s that they've been there. But ultimately, like very one-sided game in the end. And I suppose very comfortable for Tipperary. Never in though. Never though, really. Like it, it was probably a doubt maybe in the first half when Antrim and Rush McCarbuck was getting a few frees, but then Tipperary tagged on the last two points at the end of the first half, ten points to five. It was a close game, but Tipperary weren't playing up to their maximum standard, but then they turned it on the second half and they're monster champions for a reason. They did very well, but caught the van, I think, her second goal. It's probably one of the best goals of the weekend. Maybe Shane O'Donnell for Claire was a close second, but that was an incredible finish. It was first time battled into the back of the net. Incredible finish from caught there. Emer Heffernan, as you mentioned, there coming on and scoring one three. And uh, Roisin Howard had a good game for Tipperary, and they play Watford now in the semi final, and um, mm-hmm. they they have a real chance of reaching the first dollar of the finals in 2006. So very good um, win for Tipperary and a very good season for the general Antrim. Look, I think they'd be happy with their year. They had two wins at the start of the year against Offaly and Limerick. And, you know, statement wins in general because they wouldn't have beat those sides in years gone by. But then they get a hammering off Waterford and a hammering off Tipperary. And ultimately, their season's ended in disappointment. But they'll take some positives like Roshan McCormick. And Maeve Kelly's been injured throughout the year. I think she'll be back in the team now next season. Uh, Katrine Dobbin didn't have her best game you know, yesterday. But Antrim, I think they'd be just delighted just to go up to Crow Park for the day out. And very good achievement for them to get there. But Tipperary, they're a serious team, Aaron. And I think they could be dark horses for the honour. Then worth mentioning as well, their opponents, Watford, haven't reached the honour of the since 1945. So they'll be a novel, novel um, uh, Camogie team in the honour of the final this year. So ultimately, I know I'm a Cork fan and I want them to reach the honour of the final. But for the Camogie game in general, it's a great thing to have either Tipperary or Watford in the decider. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I suppose, yeah, as you said there, like... You know, from following Camogie and everything else, as, as you said, like with Galway, Cork, Kilkenny, it's it, like those three sides have probably always had a bit of a monopoly over the competition in the in the last couple of seasons. Um, but uh, but there we go, there we go. Um, ninety nine Aguero says here this heart today, but we coming for the dubs. Uh, Aaron says uh, says ninety nine Aguero there, and I suppose that's in reference to the. All Ireland minor football final, which went the way of Derry by a scoreline of one thirteen to nine points. Uh, yeah, comfortable enough for Derry. Like Monaghan did all right at times. Like they, they tagged away a couple of scores, 
Um, and obviously when Kahir Spears gets sent off, you're kind of thinking Derry might be in a bit of trouble. But James Sargent obviously gets gets himself the goal. Derry kick on from there. And um, yeah, second all the minor football title in four years. Derry, you know, like the, the senior teams had a lot of success at the minute. And the minor team now has had a lot of success. So whatever Derry have done in the last six, seven years, whatever changes they've made, it's working. It is, and leading up to the game, actually, I was surprised when calculating this, Derry, up until the final, had an average possession rate of six points. Six points in something like, I think it was 10 games throughout the season. So we thought they'd be defensive throughout the game. In the end, they could see the six points in the first half alone against Monaghan. But what was even more surprising, I actually didn't watch this game, I was watching the Camogie, but they had a man sent off, Carr Spears, then got sent off midway through the second half, but they still kicked on and got a goal in the second half, and Monaghan scored three points. So very good at closing out the game from Derry. And that's their second all Ireland minor title in four years. So fair play to Derry for winning that. Joe Dillon with six points. Conan Higgins probably had a man of the match performance with three points. James Sargent, the centre-back, got the goal in the end for Derry, which was a very good goal for them. In the end, Monaghan probably relied too much on Matthew Finn and Max McGuinness, who did very well in the minor championship in, in general. In fairness to Matthew Finn, scored three points from play, which was very good from him. But Derry, they march on. Very good performance. And... Yeah, they seem to be doing something right, don't they? Like, I think at under 20, they'll be definitely a threat next season. And actually, in the last minor team, one of their stars was Lachlan Murray. And he's seen what he yeah. did at the senior team in the next few seasons. So you could see a Joe Dillon or a Conal Higgins come through the ranks in the next few years. So watch the space for these Derry players. They look a very good, serious prospect at the moment. And um, yeah, very good win for Derry today. Ultimately comfortable. But Monaghan have had a very good year. That's their first minor final in, I think it's around 89 years or something like that, which or 81 or around that time period anyway. Incredible achievement for them to even reach the final. And I probably wanted Monaghan to win more than Derry because it would have been Monaghan's first ever minor title. But fair play to Derry. Congratulations to them. And they've won the last underage title of the year. They have, they have. And I suppose like there's a prove like for, for from a Derry point of view that like they're like the, the underage belt and the younger players coming through. Like it proves that they're just not going to go anywhere really. I don't think do you know, like I think, like I suppose when you look at Derry and the history of Derry generally, like they have, you know, they had obviously that great period during the 90s winning, you know, a couple of Ulster titles and obviously the All Ireland as well. Um, through the 2000s and 2010s, you didn't really hear too much about Derry, but now with the under 20s, the minors, the senior team, do you know, like they're not, they're not going anywhere. They're definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. And, you know, like regardless of what happens with Derry Kerry in a couple of weeks' time, like they're going to be. You know, they're going to be around for a while, you know, even after some of, you know, the likes of your McGuigans and Chrissy McKeggs when they obviously get on and retire and everything else. There's still a good crop of players coming through, which I think if you're a dairy supporter, you're definitely quite positive about. And they seem to be doing something right. Like, in fairness, their uh, centre of excellence is actually no big where they usually play their league games. And it, I've been up there. It's an excellent facility, Aaron. So Derry definitely doing something right in general at underage and uh, fair play to them for that. And you look at it, I think McGuigan's still young enough, so I think he's, there's a few more years left in him. But McKeag, uh, Benny Heron, I think, will move on the next few years. And even when McKeag leaves, I think uh, there was a McKeag in midfield, I'm sure, today. Are, are they related, Chrissy and uh, the minor? They could be, actually. I think there's a Tommy Rogers there as well. He's even related to Brendan. So... There could be a few guys related there as well. I'm not actually not sure 
in general, like I don't want to go into relations and all that because I actually said in the podcast during the week that Emer McGraw was related to the McGraws from Lockport Castellani, and when it turned out Emer's actually from Drone Inch. So I kind of got that wrong. So I don't want to be speculating rumors or anything like that, but it is a possibility. Like there's not too many Rogers or McCaigs in Derry in general. Like the only two McCaigs I know of before this minor was Chrissy and Carl and their brothers. So like you never know. Um mm. they might he might be his nephew, I'm not sure, Chrissy. Um, but we'll have to see in the next few weeks, I suppose. But they're definitely a very good crop of players coming through. Like even uh, Joe Dillon is centre forward. I'm a real fan of him. Um, Eamon Young at wing forward is a very good player. So fair play to Derry. They're definitely producing players and they're definitely doing a lot right. But before we end the podcast as well, Ward of Monaghan, like with the population they have, with the underage structures they have, to reach a minor semi-final and a senior semi-final in the same year, I think that has to be applauded, Aaron. I really do. I think it's an incredible achievement for Monaghan. I know we've beat them up so many times on podcasts gone by, but it's deserved. When you look at the population they have, the resources they have, I think it's incredible, really, what they're doing up in Monaghan. And maybe they're the standard bearers for the rest of the country and what they should be doing with their minor players in the next few seasons. And another point as well, the same four minor semi-finalists were the same in the senior and I would argue Derry and Monaghan won the minor semi-finals. I might be going you know, overboard here, but because of omens, will we see a Derry and Monaghan All-Ireland senior final and Derry to win it? You never know. You never know. Yeah, look, I mean, look, I, I certainly wouldn't want uh, my own county Dublin to, to lose to, to Monaghan. But um, look, if we were to lose to anyone, may, maybe it wouldn't be too bad losing to, uh, to Monaghan. And maybe they could go on and, and win the All-Ireland and... I don't know. Would it be? I don't know. They 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 definitely be a bank holiday in Monaghan, definitely for at least a couple of months, I'd say. But uh, but there we go. For any fan TV, says I saw I got in your uh, Vinnie Corey video. We didn't show up today. Two points in the first twenty minutes, and then three points in the second half. You can't win a final like that. Jamie Mooney kept it from being three thirteen to, to 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 nine points. Yeah, look, it was fairly it was fairly comfortable in the end from uh, from a dairy perspective, but. Um, but yeah, as you said about Monaghan, like to finish up on them, like yeah, extraordinary story for for Monaghan, like what a population of sixty thousand, I think it is. Um, but look, they're they're a football in Mad County, like they brought I think 20, 22, 23,000 to Crow Park um a couple of weeks ago there in the All Ireland quarterfinals. Um, you know, here in Crow Park, going to be completely sold out this weekend as well. Um, obviously, I know you have the meet down game there as well, but yeah, look, they're a football in Mad County and. Do you know, like it, it does go to show population isn't everything, and I suppose from a Monaghan perspective, like what a, what an extraordinary year it's been. And regardless of what happens for the Monaghan seniors in the semi-final, do you know, I think I think a lot of counties need to look at Monaghan and think, like how how are they, what are they doing that we're not doing? Because like they they do so much right with such limited resources. There's so many aspects to this as well. Well, like even when you look at the league, like they're the longest serving Division One side other than Kerry. I think in itself, that's remarkable for Monaghan. And even if they do lose next weekend, I think it's been a remarkable year for Monaghan because at the start of the year, we were talking about Vinnie Corey and thinking, OK, he's in the experience for the job. But they seem to have found a gem in the coach, Monaghan. And that's another thing as well, that um, they do so well other than um, other counties. And you see you see your videos about uh, Kildare complaining, about me complaining, about Cork over the last few years, about Clare complaining. And Dave vastly superior populations to that of Monaghan and Monaghan just get on with it I think it's incredible what they're doing up there and I think it's incredible they're the one county that I'm like I want to be like them 
they they do what they have with their resources. They're proud of their county. The players they have, they find these gems of players. I don't know where they find them. Like Max McGinnessy and Matthew Finn from the minor team. You look at Jack McCarron and Conor McCarthy even from the senior team. And that's without Conor McManus there as well. You look at them, some of their under-20s gone by as well over the last few seasons. Like Monaghan produced player after player after player, manager after manager. I don't think it's incredible what they're doing up there. And in the hurling as well, they won the Laurie Mark Cup this year. You know, like they do well in both codes for the population that they have. And 60,000, they'll fit all into Crow Park with the same seats to spare too. So it's incredible what they do in the County Monaghan. And it's incredible what they do throughout, um, throughout the Giants. They're a credit to themselves, a credit to the sport. And yeah, they're a county. They're probably everybody's second county, let's be honest. Aaron. Probably not your second county, no, yeah, next Saturday, but... Um, a second county in any other weekend. They're an incredible county. They do things the right way, and you only have to applaud them, even if they lost today. First final since um, in 80 years or so. It's an incredible achievement, and their achievements in minor and senior this season have been incredible. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely remarkable. Remarkable stuff from a, from a Monaghan perspective. And as I said, look, yeah, like I'll obviously be at that game in Crow Park. You know, in the upper queues, so I'm sure there'll be plenty of Monaghan fans around me. But, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll certainly be cheering on the uh, the Dublin lads. Make no mistake about that. Um, Gavin says here, did you see Russ Common have to change their sheep on their crest because it's not the right type found in uh, Russ Common? Apparently, uh, there you go, there you go. Uh, interesting, interesting fact of the day. I suppose maybe we weren't the only ones that had to change our crests and our names and everything else. I guess Russ Common had to do so as well. Jeez, that's bizarre, really. <laughs> like even the GA team, like I think the last GA team to change their crest. Would I be correct in saying it's Kerry? That might be a trivia question. I think Kerry changed their crest around 2012, 2013. Um, mm. to, the newer crest that we all that we all um knew to see. I think Cork changed their crest a few see uh, in the nineties. Dublin did the same. So we've all changed our crests at a time, but. Look, I'd be interested to hear this. Anybody in the comments know this because I'd love to hear this. When was the last time a county actually changed their crest other than Roscommon now with the sheep? I think it was Kerry back in the early 2010s, but that's bizarre. I've never heard anything like that. Name changing for, um, you know, rights restrictions and stuff like that, like we were doing, that's probably normal enough, but change it because of a sheep. That's yeah, probably okay. the most bizarre thing I've heard all year, Aaron, really, but look, if it, if it suits us, to go first, I suppose, but um, yeah, it's a it's something we might look into it during the week. Actually, um, when the GA um, teams actually change their crest in years gone by, it's, it's good to be very interesting to look into. Yeah, yeah, definitely so, definitely so. Yeah, just like just looking at it here, article article on the Independent.ie, a county GA board is considering updating its crest after discovering the emblem featured the wrong breed of sheep. So there you go, there you go. Um, definitely uh, an unusual one. Uh, Herland says here, Claire have slightly changed their crest uh, this year. Mm. I think, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like you know Liverpool in soccer. They kind of changed yeah, it yeah. for the jersey, but the official crest I don't think it's changed. I think it's the same. I think anyway, but could be wrong. Yeah, one one crest that does need to change, in my opinion, is the Claire crest. Like it's. It's not really the best best crest in the world, in my opinion. But but there we go, there we go. I suppose I have to. It wouldn't it wouldn't be a podcast without throwing any shade towards Kildare, I suppose. So look, I have to get that in there. 
Yeah, yeah, geez. Like, oh, I think it's very frustrating. Yeah, just one more point on uh, Kildare General. Like, it's it's very frustrating when we're trying to put in Kildare Preston to you know images and stuff like that, and you can't really see anything. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's just, yeah, it just doesn't, it just doesn't go. Like, but uh, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. You know, Kildare, they always have it out for us. They always have it out for us. <laughs> Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the jobs that uh, Kerry and Kildare this podcast and they aren't even playing this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's it all really absolutely, yeah. I suppose before you finish up, maybe player of the week and moment of the week from the weekend's action. Player of the week, I'd probably have to go for Aaron Galan. Incredible performance from him and the 80% shocker for seeing the last two games is incredible. Moment of the week, don't own Murphy save, it has to be what a yeah. save it was. It was the tip onto the bar, so. They'd be my uh, players of the week and moment of the week. Yeah, I think player of the week for me, I'd probably go for TJ Reid, like 12 points, set up the goal for Owen Cody as well. Um, and obviously a lot of the work he was doing off the ball, I thought was incredible. And yeah, moment of the week, I don't think he can go wrong, obviously, with uh, with that save from from Owen Murphy. I think Limerick's second half performance as well, I think, could could, could go, go down as moment of the week. But yeah, I don't think he can disagree with that save from uh, from Owen Murphy and obviously Derry winning an All-Ireland title as well I'm sure for Derry fans definitely a uh, a moment of the week um, so there we go I suppose we'll go ahead and wrap this up here make sure to hit the like button and subscribe if you haven't already and make sure to check out Matthew's show uh, The Gaelic Statsman obviously on Instagram Spotify and all podcasting apps so make sure to, to check that out when you get a chance so uh, yeah Matthew cheers very much for coming on and For anyone who tuned in, cheers very much for coming on. Thanks very much, John.